The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. Stocks are trying to close out the week in the green, but one sector of the market is not looking so lucky. Investors are feeling bullish on the heels of some better-than-expected consumer price data. Producers, though, on the hook today. Just over 100 days into the strike, and Hollywood writers and studios say they are ready to get back to the bargaining table. Plus, UBS moves to rid itself of a multi-billion dollar taxpayer burden. And then later on, why President Biden is calling China a ticking time bomb. It's Friday, August 11th, 2023. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Dominic Chewin for Frank Holland this morning. Let's kick things off on this Friday with a check on U.S. equity futures, which right now are trying to find some direction. We're moving marginally up or down, depending on where you're looking. The S&P is implied lower by just two points. The Dow implied higher by 14 and then the Nasdaq down by about 22, 23 The Dow, the S&P, and Nasdaq are coming off a modestly higher session yesterday on the heels of that upbeat CPI report. But week to date, though, it's painting a very different picture. If you take a look at the Dow Industrials, up one-third of 1%, a quarter percent declines for the S&P, and north of 1% declines for the Nasdaq Composite. Technology may be lower for the week, but small caps have it worse, with the Russell 2000 on pace for its worst week since late June. You can see there the Russell 2000, again, down just about one and three quarters percent on a week-to-day basis. Checking on the bond market as well, yields on that 4% level are still in focus here with regard to the benchmark U.S. 10-year Treasury note yield. Right now, it's ticking slightly higher, 4.08%. The two-year note yield ticking slightly lower to 4.81%, and the 30-year long bond just a hair below 4.25% itself right now. On the energy complex, we have oil prices on the move. We are generally higher over the course of the near to medium term. But today, seeing a little bit of weakness in U.S. benchmark, West Texas Intermediate, now just about unchanged. Marginal declines for ice Brent crude futures, currently $86.35. And natural gas prices up 1%, $2.79. Markets are poised for a mixed open on the back of that July CPI data, cooler than expected. Investors now are turning their attention to July's producer price or wholesale and business level index which is out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time, which is expected, by the way, to come in at 0.2%, just about two-tenths is the estimate, on both the headline and the core readings compared to last month's 0.1% reading. So the expectations are set for business-level inflation. Let's get more insight into the direction of the markets and the economy with both Seema Shah, chief global strategist over at Principal Asset Management, along with Annika Trion, the chief economist at Van Lanschot Kempen, Ladies, thank you both very much for being here. Seema, we'll start with you with the overall read on whether or not the producer price index data will shed any further light 
on the inflation picture beyond what we saw with CPI, could it be considered a leading indicator? Well, thanks for having me on. Well, the PPI is going to be important. Um, certainly, we put more focus on it than we did pre this uh, this inflation resurgence. The one thing that we'll be looking at um, is going to be trying to deep dive into what are the components which could impact the core PCE, knowing that the Fed is really focused on that. Generally, though, I think the trend that we're seeing over the last couple of months is fairly clear. There is a softening um, inflation pace. We're looking at, I think, quite optimistic hopes at the moment of getting towards the 2% level. But clearly, there is a deceleration, which the Fed will be very, very encouraged by. Okay. So if that's the case, Annika, if you look at the way that the markets have been reacting on balance for the last several weeks at this point, given the economic data that we've seen, things still appear rosy for the most part. We're seeing some cooling off in certain parts of the market. But are you seeing anything that's disturbing to you about some of the rotation or at least mini rotations that we've been seeing with regard to certain parts of the equity markets? Yeah, I think the, the, biggest, uh, the, the biggest worrying signs of the market, I think it's two things. One, we have become absolutely obsessed with these short-term monthly inflation prints. And, you know, yes, the print was potentially better than expected because it was in line with what expectations were. And that's already better than expected. But let's constantly remind ourselves that a core CPI reading north of 4% is significantly above that 2% mark. Let's remind ourselves of the fact that whilst you know, all this hawkish behavior has been going on. Um, the labor market has stayed very, very strong and the economy has stayed very strong. And let's figure out why. And let's put more time on that. Um, so I think that's one area. And I think the other area is um, obviously the trickle through effect, the transmission mechanism of interest rates going up. That takes 12 to 18 months to work its way through. We're still not there yet. And if you compare that to equity risk premium in the market, which is very, very narrow, that does raise some alarm bells. It does. And maybe that's one of the reasons why, among many factors, that we are seeing some of the valuations, especially in technology, come down to the way that they are. But it's not all of technology and tech related stuff, Seema. If you take a look at some of the parts that are outperforming over the shorter term, it's still communication services. We're talking some of the bigger names in that, in, in that as well. Is that something that should be maybe something the bulls can hang their hats on, but that, that we aren't seeing as much of a decline in some of those media-related names out there? Well, I think that's an important point. You know, what I think investors are doing is they are looking at valuations and they, they I think, it readily admitting that a lot of valuations are very frothy. Um, the thing with communications and also technology, given the very close relationship with many of them, is that they're still focusing on AI and what the potential productivity gains will be. Now, inevitably, you know, the, the structural forces can be very strong until the cyclical maybe gets a little bit too much in the way. So as Annika was just laying out, you know, inflation is still very elevated, which means that bond yields may come down a little bit as you get slower economic growth, but they're not going to come down too much. So for a lot of these firms, especially the growthy ones, they will be pressured. Um, so for us as investors, this probably isn't the best time to be adding exposure to a number of those stocks. You want to be looking a little bit further out, maybe really focusing on things in, such as quality uh, which are the companies which will continue to have pricing power even as the economy slows. So there's a slight slant in the way that people should be focusing on, on how to invest going forward. Uh, Seema, can, can I just follow up that on that with you? Where exactly then are the most attractive parts in this market right now, given that construct that you've just laid out? Yeah, so it's a good question. So from a sector by sector basis, there's actually, I think, little in a way to differentiate for many of them. What we're trying to do now is within each sector, trying to dig a little bit deeper. This is where analysis becomes incredibly important 
active management should hopefully enable us to, to look out for where the, the opportunity sets are. But as I said, it's really about quality. Which are the big balance sheets? Which are the companies that can withstand a lot of the economic pressures that we do expect to build up over the coming quarters? And as I said before, pricing power is really going to be key. Inflation is coming down, which means that companies are no longer able to hide a lot of the, the uh, price increases that they've been throwing onto consumers. So those are the kind of things that I think investors uh, should be la- looking out for rather than really focusing on a sector by sector comparison. OK, so, so maybe a little bit more in-depth analysis there. Annika, we'll give you the last word here. What are the most attractive and unattractive parts of the market to you right now, given what you're seeing? I completely agree with what Simo said, and we've actually dubbed it an investment manifesto. So let's not talk about sectors. Let's talk about specific business models. And let's look for three things. It's that simple. Look for a very strong USP, which means strong competitive positioning, market share, pricing power. Number two, look for a very strong focus, companies that are focused on specific areas where they have expertise. And number three, back management teams that are aligned with you as a shareholder, be it the fact that they're shareholders themselves or their bonuses are on the right metrics in the P&L so they don't do stupid things. Um, that, that's the way forward, which, of course, takes more work, um, but hopefully yields a lot more uh, return and value. All right. So it seems like stock picking is going to be the name of the game in the second half of the year. Seema Shah, Annika Trian, thank you both very much. Have a nice weekend, ladies. All right, let's get a check now on this morning's top corporate stories. Pippa Stevens is here with those. Pippa, good morning. Good morning, Don. The Supreme Court announcing the bankruptcy reorganization of oxycotton maker Purdue Pharma will be put on hold. The move comes after an emergency request from the Biden administration raised objections about a provision that protects the Sackler family from liability for lawsuits. The Supreme Court added in its decision that it will hear a challenge to the $6 billion settlement reached back in May. Just over 100 days into the strike, the union representing Hollywood writers and the alliance which represents the studios will be back at the bargaining table today. In a statement to its members of the Writers Guild of America said the president of the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers asked to meet with the union's negotiating committee. This is the first meeting between the two sides since August 4th, and that was not a bargaining session, but rather a meeting to talk about resuming talks. And disgraced FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried is returning to New York City for a court hearing today that could decide whether he must go to jail while he awaits trial. Prosecutors have asked a judge to revoke Bankman-Fried's bail, claiming that he tried to harass a key witness in his fraud case. Bankman-Fried has been under house arrest at his parents' home in Palo Alto, California, since his December extradition from the Bahamas. So many twists and turns in that FTX case, Tom. It's, it's so crazy, and obviously the personalities involved as well. Pippa Stevens, thank you very much. We'll see you later on. All right, well, a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, a closer look at the buyback slowdown phenomenon rocking Wall Street and the stocks that you need to watch. Plus, getting set for a big week of retail earnings results, why falling inflation could actually be a bad thing for the sector's bottom lines. And then later on, much more on the Hollywood strikers and what today's talks could mean for fall production schedules. We've got a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this commercial break.
Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. U.S. futures right now, as you can see, searching for direction on this Friday morning. The Dow's implied higher by a whopping 21 points. Let's see how Europe, though, is shaping up as its trading day gets underway. For that, we turn to Jumana Bersecchi in our London newsroom with the early action and key headlines out in Europe. Good morning, Jumana. Morning, Dom. Well, the handover from Asia was not that pretty. And what you're seeing is broad-based losses. Every single one of these European indices is trading underwater this morning. FTSE 100 down 1% despite better GDP data. I'll get to that shortly. Zetra DAX in Germany down about a half. And the Cacarons in France down eight-tenths of a percent, even though for the week as a whole, the French index is the outperformer. We saw a bit of love for luxury stocks. But in general, though, sentiment is pretty negative. But let me take you to one stock in particular we're watching today, and that is UBS, a big jump in the, in the stock price, up almost 5% this morning after the company, the bank, decided to voluntarily remove the loss protection agreement it had with the Swiss government and the Swiss National Bank, confirming that taxpayers will no longer bear any risk from the collapse of Credit Suisse. So this has seen a very strong reaction to the stock price this morning, a, a vote of confidence that people are calling it. Uh, elsewhere, we're looking at UK GDP data very closely as well. And here you can see we're seeing a bit of a bounce in, the, in sterling, up three-tenths of a percent almost after UK GDP growth came in stronger than expected in June, with output rising 0.5% on the month and 0.2% on the quarter, much higher than estimates. In terms of yields, we're also seeing a good reaction in the yield curve. The two-year yields are pretty much unchanged on the day at 4.93, but we are seeing yields move higher in the five-year part of the curve, or about six basis points higher. Ten-year yields, also 4.45, about eight basis points higher. So the curve continues to steepen as the market sort of comes to terms with the Bank of England approaching the end of the hiking cycle, but the economy remaining more resilient. Don. All right, Jumana Bersecchi in our London newsroom. Thank you very much. Earnings season is wrapping up and buybacks are pacing for the slowest quarter in a year as companies pull back on their spending. Our Pippa Stevens is here with more on that buyback story, Pippa. That's right, Dom. So buybacks are pacing to be down 36 percent year over year and on track for the weakest quarter since COVID in 2020, according to data from Bank of America. All 11 sectors have slowed their share repurchases since last year, with energy companies pulling back the most. The real estate, utilities and discretionary sectors also seeing a drop. Now, the slowdown comes as earnings growth decelerates, meaning companies have less cash flow from operations at their disposal. The spike in rates also means that focus is now shifting to balance sheet improvement. Companies want to pay down debt rather than shouldering higher borrowing costs. 
Virtus Investment Partners' Joe Terranova added that there is an element of corporate cash hoarding taking place due to ongoing economic uncertainties. That said, some companies are still buying. Big Tech takes the top three spots with Apple, Alphabet and Microsoft spending the most on buybacks, followed by Chevron and Exxon. These are some of the largest companies, so it makes sense they would top the list in terms of dollar amount. But a different picture emerges if we look at who spent the most as a percentage of market cap. DXC Technology tops that list at 8.1%, followed by Marathon Petroleum, Expedia, Discover Financial, and um, Marathon Petroleum. The interesting part about this is many of these energy companies now have the variable dividends, Mm -hmm. right? So they have a kind of fixed component that they typically pay that's a much smaller percentage of it. Mm -hmm. And then the total payout is driven by something that they can kind of scale from quarter to quarter or half year to half year, year to year. Is that a trend that continues given the variability of energy prices? Yeah. So I think the buyback element is that it has that flexibility, as you said. And so it doesn't you're not restricted by implementing it. And then it's very noticeable if you pull back on that. And so, of course, the dividend is the priority and that raising that is a little bit more challenging. And that variable dividend strategy has been very um, uh, particularly uh, prevalent with upstream players. And so I think we might see a pullback in that area and kind of tapping the brakes a little bit as companies question what's going to happen with oil prices. Of course, they're up huge in the last month, but there are a lot of questions remain. And around the $80 level, companies are still doing very well. But I think flexibility is important, whether it be that variable dividend or that buyback. Buybacks and dividends. Shareholder returns. Total. Yeah, exactly. All right, Pippa Stevens, we'll see you later on. Uh, head on Worldwide Exchange, your big money movers and why this air taxi stock is flying high ahead of the opening bell. Uh, We're back with the mystery chart after this. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers. We have Archer Aviation flying high in the pre-market. Yeah, I did it. The air taxi maker is reaching an agreement with Boeing's Whisk Air Taxi unit to several settle lawsuits and team up on autonomous technology production. The deal makes Boeing's Whisk the sole producer of autonomous technology used in future Archer aircraft models as it looks to bring the first all-electric self-flying air taxi to the U.S. market. Archer Aviation up 25%. Shares of Flowers Foods rising in the pre-market, the company topping earnings and revenue estimates thanks to a more than 13% increase in pricing. The baked goods maker also reporting a nearly 9% boost in sales, with executives saying customers are beginning to acclimate to higher prices and revert towards prior purchasing type behavior. Flowers Foods up roughly 3% right now. And we might as well make it three. Savers Value Village shares getting a boost after posting a 4% increase in net sales and a 5.5% increase in terms of percent for comparable store sales. The thrift store CEO attributing the top and bottom line beats to a shift in spending trends with customers seeking value and then thinking more about sustainability amid a surge in popularity for thrifting and thrift type shopping. So Savers Value Village up about 4% pre-market. 
Now to a developing story as thousands of Hawaiian residents and tourists struggle to escape Maui as fires continue to sweep across the island. The death toll this morning stands at 55. It is expected to grow. NBC's Jay Gray has more. Investigators still aren't sure what sparked the blaze, but it's very clear what fed the intense flames. Drought conditions on the island providing the fuel, winds with gusts to 85 miles an hour, pushing the fire much faster than teams can control. The power went out yesterday like 4.30 or 5 a.m., and then the gas station blew up at like 3, and since then we've just been trying to outrun a fire. Some forced into the ocean to escape the flames, but there was no escape for the historic town of Lahaina. We drove by Lahaina today from our resort, and we just saw everything was gone, and we were like, thank God we made it out of that. What we've seen today has been uh, catastrophic. Like many areas across the island where all that's left is rubble and ash, the firestorm pushing hundreds into shelters, most with only a few things they could carry during their rush to safety. Local people have lost everything. They've lost their house, they've lost their animals, and it's, it's devastating. Tourists at the core of the island's economy are being told for now to stay away. The airport packed with thousands, forced to cut vacations short, scrambling to find any flight that will get them away from the flames. It's just scary to see a big wildfire just kind of coming your way. And it's not something I ever experienced before. The National Guard now joining the fight, an effort to make sure all of this place that many call paradise isn't lost. Jay Gray, NBC News. All right, thank you very much, Jay. Well, let's get a check on this morning's other headlines as well. Outside of the world of business, we have NBC's Jessica Layton in New York with the latest. Good morning, Jessica. Dom, good morning. Today, members of former President Trump's legal team and special counsel Jack Smith's team are meeting in court. The two sides will discuss proposed restrictions on what Trump can say publicly about evidence gathered in the investigation into alleged 2020 election interference. His attorneys have argued for a less restrictive order than originally requested by Smith, saying it would muzzle the former president. Trump has pleaded not guilty to all the charges. Five Americans detained in Iran have been transferred to House arrest, and they may soon be free in a planned prisoner swap. Before they can come home, though, Iran will get $6 billion of its oil revenue, which will be restricted to only humanitarian needs. It could, though, take weeks before the deal is finalized and the Americans are back here on U.S. soil. And Duncan has some brand new brews for coffee lovers to try, as long as you're at least 21 years old. Duncan has introduced its land line of canned alcoholic coffees and teas called Duncan Spike. Now, while they're not on store shelves yet, they say they're coming soon. Duncan teamed up with Boston-based Harpoon Brewery for the beverages after partnering three years ago to bring customers coffee-flavored beer. So cheers to that. And Dom, cheers to it being Friday. Back it, to you. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Jessica Layton, thank you very much. Have a nice weekend. Straight ahead on the show, a virgin galactic success. It's sweater weather at McDonald's. And a scrapped Tesla comes back to life in Ukraine. We've got your top trending stories. They're coming up on Worldwide Exchange Returns after this. It's almost 5.29 a.m. Eastern Time. And just across the river in New York, we've got still a lot ahead on Worldwide Exchange. So here's still what's on deck. We're going for two. 
Stocks trying to extend yesterday's modest gains on the heels of that upbeat consumer price index report. Futures, by the way, are modestly higher right now. Investors bracing for a busy week in retail with Home Depot, Walmart, and more set to report their results. We look at the health of the consumer, the inflation story, inventories, and the names that should be on your shopping list ahead of the tape. And just over 100 days into the writer's strike, studios, writers sitting, kind of getting back to resuming talks to bring Hollywood back online. It is Friday, August 11th, 2023. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Dominic Chu in for Frank Holland on this Friday morning. Let's pick things up in this half hour with a check on U.S. stock futures as we approach 530 Eastern time. And right now, I mentioned that futures are somewhat bid for the Dow Industrials, who are implied higher by just about 25 points. The S&P is higher by now it's just about flat. And the Nasdaq is down by about 11 points implied. So a modest open expected here. Turning out to the earnings story with the consumer front and center as a handful of retailers prepare to release their quarterly numbers in the coming week. We're talking big names, Home Depot, Walmart and Target, amongst others. And on the agenda... Next week, as investors kind of look for insight into the strength of a potentially stretched consumer, also whether the inflation story is finally starting to impact certain spending trends. So joining me now is Brian Nagel with his thoughts. He's the senior equity research analyst in retail and hard lines and broad lines at Oppenheimer. Brian, an interesting story here. We've been talking about this idea of disinflation, slowing inflation, how it's better for the consumer. But why is it that it may not be all it's cracked up to be for some of our nation's biggest retailers? Well, good morning, Dom. And I think that's a great opening. So it's you know, we do, we do, like you said in your opening, we do have a number of these uh, you know, really key, re- key retail reports coming up here in the next week. But to answer your question, you know, it is a mixed bag. And I don't think the market's yet fully accepting this. And so clearly, you know, on, on, the, on the positive side, as inflation is subsiding, you know, that's better for the consumer. Right. I mean, there's just, you know, there's less, so to say, spending pressures because the cost of goods are not going up as fast or in some cases potentially flattening out. But the negative, you know, when we're starting, I follow very closely names like Home Depot, Tractor Supply, which is also one of my favorite names. But these companies have been very good, very skilled at passing along inflation to consumers over the past several quarters. You know, so to the extent that inflation now is subsiding, we don't have deflation, but what I call is disinflation. That undermines what has been a very key sales driver for these companies. And so that, again, so what you'll see is, and I think we're starting to see some evidence of this already, is sales growth at some of these retailers slowing simply because they're no longer passing along to consumers as much inflation. Now, there's offsets. I mean, that's better for margins. You hope you get some unit demand improvement with this. But nonetheless, that in and of itself does slow the rate of sales growth for these companies. Okay, so if if that sales growth is slowing and you're saying that the street is underappreciating that compared to what you're expecting right now, what are the companies on deck next week that could be the surprise to the downside or upside given kind of that disjoint, if you will, in expectations, Brian? Well, so I have a colleague that covers very closely Walmart and Target, so I'm, you know, I would let him comment specifically on those names. But you know, I do cover Home Depot very closely. I, I talk on, about Home Depot a lot on CNBC. You know, so that's, that's a name. You know, and again, Home Depot is a great company, right? They manage that business extraordinarily well. And there's a lot of cross-currents, if you will, in the, in the overall demand picture for home improvement retail. But the point we're making here, one of these cross-currents is 
this disinflationary trend. And what that means is, is there's just less inflation for Home Depot to pass along. Now, the company talks about this. They make some great points, you know, one of being one of which is innovation. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they, 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 the products that Home Depot sells have become much more innovative. Right. You sell, you know, that's there's when you buy whatever you buy, it's more technologically technologically driven. Right. So you have a higher price point. But behind all of this, you do have this disinflationary trend, which in and of itself is a negative for sales growth. All right. An interesting development there on the consumer dynamic. Brian Nagel, always great to get your thoughts. Thank you very much. Good luck next week. Thank you. Have a good week. Yeah. All right. So let's get a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories as well. Pippa Stevens is back with those. Hi, Pippa. Hi, Dom. I'm back. Uh, So California regulators just voted to allow self-driving car companies, Cruise, owned by GM, and Waymo, owned by Google, to add more cars to San Francisco's streets and charge passengers for rides at all times. The approval, after a vote that had been delayed twice, marks a big win for the self-driving car companies in their mission to expand statewide and to other cities across the U.S. President Biden calling out China's economic problems as a, quote, ticking time bomb for the world. Speaking at a fundraiser in Park City, Utah, Biden adding that China's problems are not good because, quote, when bad folks have problems, they do bad things. Biden's comments showing just how far the U.S. still needs to go in restoring relations with the world's second largest economy. And a U.S. cybersecurity panel will reportedly investigate Microsoft as part of a probe into the risks around cloud computing and recent breaches into key government email systems by suspected Chinese hackers. Bloomberg reports the Cyber Safety Review Board will focus its probe on risks to cloud infrastructure, identity and authentication management, and will look at all relevant cloud service providers. All right, Pippa Stevens, thank you very much for those headlines. Now to a developing story. Negotiators for striking writers and the major Hollywood studios will return to the bargaining table today. The two sides met briefly a week ago, and the Writers Guild says the studios are expected to respond to the union's proposals. Top issues include residuals in the streaming area and the use of artificial intelligence. The writer's strike has now gone past 100 days while the actor strike is almost a month old at this point. So let's talk more about all of this with Alex Weprin, the media and business writer over at The Hollywood Reporter, THR. Alex, great to get your thoughts here to this morning. Uh, how close are we? Uh, and, and should we expect as media consumers to really see an impact later on for this fall viewing season and certainly into next year's production season as well? Well, Dom, I wouldn't get your hopes up too much. This is the first time that the real negotiating committees for the writers and studios are sitting down in over three months, and they're still pretty far apart. They had a meeting last week to talk about holding this meeting. Uh, That being said, this is obviously the first step in the right direction. You know, you need to sit down at the negotiating table before you can cut a deal. Uh, Now, for consumers, you know, the networks will start to feel it in October because their their fall slates are already going to be impacted by these strikes. So they're going to be, take a hit on the advertising side of things. Um, there's just going to be less product on the broadcast networks in the fall. In streaming, uh, some of the big streaming services have a little bit more flexibility. Uh, they've got shows that have already been kind of put aside, uh, and they'll probably be okay at some point into the spring of next year. But if the strikes continue to drag on, uh, they will start to feel an impact in the spring and summer of 24. Alex, we've heard some stories and reports throughout the New York media market, the L.A. media market and elsewhere about just how much of an impact this strike is having, not just on the studios and businesses, 
but on the human beings, the actors and writers who are now struggling to make rent, put food on the table, that sort of thing. When we talk about how far apart people are, how far do we think both sides are willing to go? How much pain can they tolerate before something has to give and something has to happen? Yeah, I mean, look, the, 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 the Actors Guild has said they're ready for a six-month strike, and the Writers Guild has said a similar thing. Uh, this is a, These strikes are having a serious impact on the local economies in New York and Los Angeles. It's not just the writers and actors, of course. It's also all the production staff, the catering staff all the local businesses that rely on these productions to happen. So the impact is really serious. Uh, the studios, you know, they, they've been stockpiling shows, you know, prepping for a long strike. So everyone, I think, is really dug in here. That being said, I do think people do want to get a deal done. And that's why we're seeing the writers come back to the negotiating table and the studios come back to the negotiating table today. And, and what exactly would you expect to see in the coming weeks with regard to which parts of the, the, the negotiation will see some movement the first? Is it on things like residuals? Is it on things like the use of someone's name, image and likeness with regard to artificial intelligence down the line? What, what seems to be the place where we could see at least a little bit of daylight between those two, com- the, 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 the two? So one of the things that became a real sticking point in the first round of negotiations was generative artificial intelligence. And it does sound like that is an area where the studios are budging a little bit. We don't know exactly what their new proposal is going to be, but they have indicated that they are going to you know, give a new proposal on AI and how it can be used for writers and presumably when the actors come to the table uh, for them as well. So that does seem to be a kind of a sticking point where there's going to be movement. The tough one is still streaming residuals. Uh, it's not clear how far the studios can go on that on that front because the economics of streaming are so different than traditional television. All right. A paradigm changer and, and obviously new frontier here is for everybody in, involved. Uh, Alex Weprin, thank you very much. And we'll look forward to your reporting on this as we kind of approach the fall and, and everything else. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. All right. Coming up on the show, how a scrapped and total Tesla actually came back to life uh, in Ukraine, of all places. Worldwide Exchange is back after this. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet. We have Morgan Stanley's Adam Jonas doubling down on his sell rating for Carvana and a new $37 price target despite the company's better than expected third quarter outlook. Jonas and his team say Carvana still has a lot to prove in terms of questioning if it can sustain its progress and momentum. So, Carvana shares just up about one-tenth of one percent pre-market. We've also got Deutsche Bank boosting its price target on NEO to 17 bucks a share ahead of earnings with a buy rating. Deutsche says NEO's operational execution is improving significantly with new models ramping up pretty quickly. Positioning-wise, Deutsche thinks the stock can finally recapture momentum after being a relative laggard all year long. So those NEO shares just down about two and a half percent in the pre-market trade. Time now for your global market briefing. UBS shares are rising. The Swiss banking giant says it no longer needs a $10.3 billion backstop from the Swiss government, one that was put in place to help shield the bank from losses following its rescue of rival Credit Suisse. The move comes after a comprehensive review by UBS of all of Credit Suisse's assets, concluding that the agreement was no longer needed. Also, Chinese banks made far fewer new loans in July than expected. $47.8 billion versus a $110.6 billion estimate. 
That follows a record amount of lending in the first half of the year as China's central bank attempted to prop up the faltering recovery. Data this week shows China's economy tipping into deflation amid weaker domestic demand. And then new this morning, the U.K. is out with a surprise read on second quarter gross domestic product. Our Arabile Goumede is live on the streets in London with the latest on the economic story. Arabile. Yeah, good morning then, Dom. So, indeed, the growth story out of the UK, well, there is still some juice left in the UK economy. 0.5% growth is what we saw then for the month of June. It's a lot better than was initially anticipated. The expectation was for pretty much flat over the three-quarter basis or the quarter-on-quarter basis. In fact, came out with 0.2%. Yes, it is menial, but it does mean that there is still some spending actually happening across the UK economy. While it wasn't driven necessarily by the services sector, which only inched up around 0.2%, you saw the industrial, the manufacturing and production industries actually managed to get some gains, more than 1.5% gain across those industries. So helping them to push up the UK economy despite the rising interest rates. Avoiding a recession has been the key important factor here. So the Bank of England, as well as the International Monetary Fund, believe that the, bank, that the UK economy will skip a recession. But the question becomes, what happens next year, January? You have fixed mortgage rates in this country that are set to expire very soon. And with rates where they are, some are set to feel the pinch. A resilient economy, yes but one that is going to struggle when it comes to spending. For now, though, the retail sales figures over the last three months continuing to help spending and the UK economy avoiding a recession and still sitting pretty in positive territory. Dom? All right. Our Billy Goumede in London, thank you very much for the check on the UK. Time now for a check on this morning's top trending stories. And Pippa Stevens is back with those. Hey, Pippa. Hey, Dom. Well, let's start here with McDonald's teaming up with British skater brand Palace to release a line of limited edition branded clothing as part of its new As Featured in Meal. The meal is a promotion for the latest season of Disney's Loki and features other famous pop cultural references to McDonald's from Space Jam to Seinfeld. A total Tesla Model X has come back online and is now sending notifications to its former owner from the southern region of Ukraine after it was sold through an online car auction that deals in salvage titles and vehicles not fit for U.S. roadways. Some countries, however, aren't as strict when it comes to the rules of the road, which is likely how the Tesla ended up repaired and active in Ukraine. The new owners in Ukraine are also tapping into the former owner's still-connected Spotify app to listen to Drake radio playlists. And finally, Virgin Galactic making its first private space flight yesterday where it took the youngest person ever and the first mother-daughter duo into space. The 18-year-old and her mother were joined by an 80-year-old Olympian, making him the first Olympian and the second person with Parkinson's to travel to space. Virgin Galactic CEO Michael Goldglazer telling CNBC yesterday that he believes commercial space flights will become a regular occurrence. When you listen to the astronauts that we flew today, they are incredulous and stunned in a really positive way with the experience. So I think investors will react positively to that. But the frequency and the cadence we're going to do, I don't want people to be surprised by that. It's going to be a regular occurrence that we take humans to space. And we're really excited to be doing it. What do you think, Dom? Would you ever go to space? So I'm just trying to figure out, I mean, there is no doubt in my mind that space travel will be a regular occurrence. 
the only doubt in my mind is how long it takes to get there. So, you know, you can say, let's take flights to space and let's do them one off and take three people mm-hmm. up there. But I got to figure it'll be years before people just start to go and take it like a bus or like a cruise line or something like that. Yeah, I think there's the first adopters and the people who have always been really fascinated by space. But I'm not sure average Joe necessarily wants to go to space right now, myself included. I want to give it some time. Also, what's the cost? You know, I'm not going to pay $300,000 for a ride to space. And exactly. Come back. Yeah, exactly. So now, I, I, if I had that kind of disposable income, it might be kind of different. But you're right. I, I wasn't a first mover when it came to things like the iPhone and electric vehicles, and certainly not going to be. I'm not even on threads, so (laughs) I'm decades away. (laughs) All right, Pippa Stevens, thank you very much for those trending stories. Well, ahead on the show, the one word that every investor needs to know today, but first, why the newest EV competition for Tesla, Ford, and more is coming all the way from Vietnam. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. Evacuations do continue as devastating wildfires sweep throughout Maui. It's Hawaii's deadliest natural disaster since a 1960 tsunami. The current toll from the fires for death is 55. Disgraced FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried is returning to New York City for a court hearing today after prosecutors asked a judge to revoke Bankman-Fried's bail due to alleged witness tampering. Oil prices are rising after the IEA raised its forecast for global oil supplies next year and moderated its expectations for demand due to a potential cap for prices within a more balanced oil market. Vietnamese EV maker VinFast says it expects to start trading on the Nasdaq under the ticker VFS as soon as next week after Special Purpose Acquisition Company, or SPAC, Blackspade, signed off on that merger. Archer Aviation shares are skyrocketing on an agreement with Boeing's Whisk Air Taxi unit to settle several lawsuits and team up on autonomous technology production. And News Corp dipping into the red despite an earnings beat with the company expressing confidence in artificial intelligence after digital revenues accounted for over half of total revenues for the first time on record over at News Corp. Well, let's take a look at what's happening with the markets right now with regard to the large cap, mid cap and small cap focus so far. If you take a look on a year to date basis, no doubt it's it's been all about the large cap companies and specifically some of the biggest technology companies out there. The S&P is up 16 percent. The mid caps up roughly 10 percent and the Russell 2000 small cap index ETF up about 9 percent. So there is a catch up trade that's starting maybe to develop, although we're seeing a tick lower in all of those three market caps out there. With regard to where we're seeing some of this near to medium term sector rotation, if you take a look at least on a one week basis, two of the better performing sectors in the S&P 500 have been energy and healthcare, up one and a quarter, nearly two percent those. And technology has been a down two percent decliner on the week. So maybe a little bit of that rotation to value. And then remember, three of the stocks that have pretty much doubled or better over the course of this year to day period with regard to NVIDIA, Meta Platforms, and Tesla on a year-to-date basis, have seen over the last week some modest declines on a relative basis. So as we talk about momentum, let's keep an eye on those outperformers so far this year. For more insight on the markets, let's bring in Jay Hatfield, founder and chief investment officer over at InfraCap. Jay, the dynamic is interesting right now because there's even more and more chatter these days about this kind of rotation that may be happening going back towards value-oriented sectors. Is that something that you're seeing as well? 
Good morning, Dom. Thanks for having me on. Um, absolutely. Um, last time we were on the show, we talked about, and this is before earnings season, that we thought the market was way out of balance and that um, short sellers, hedge funds are way too negative on financials, REITs, old economy stocks. And that's what we really saw during earnings, where those companies dramatically beat expectations. Some tech companies didn't meet the very high expectations. So you had a broadening out of the market which we're relieved because we trade mostly in old economy stocks. So we think that will actually continue in the market, in this market into the fall, where the, some of the high flyers will continue to come down. And, you know, large cap, particularly large cap dividend stocks that aren't tech will, are likely to outperform. Jay, Jay I, I mentioned two of the better performers sector wise over this week in the S&P being healthcare care uh, and energy specifically. Are you seeing any kind of activity on your end with regard to either your shopping list or, or what you're seeing flow wise that leads you to believe that there's maybe perhaps momentum behind that energy and healthcare trade? Right. That makes a lot of sense because, you know, this isn't a big secret that the fall is a super weak time for the market. And even in our um, dividend ETF, we have been rotating out of some of the sectors that did really well and tend to be shorted in the fall, like financials and REITs and adding to energy and healthcare because it's more defensive. So in this market, at least energy is defensive. And in fact, people don't recognize it, but when tech goes down, energy stocks tend to go up. So they're negatively correlated. So we think that it's a good place to hide uh, to get through this fall period. All right. Speaking of places to hide, let's talk about your word of the day. What is it and why? You know, it sounds uh, super boring. So our word is um, range bound, but it's important to take that in context. We've been hyper bulls since the beginning of the year, and we even raised our target to 4,500 to 5,000 on the S&P. But we are cautious going into the fall. But if we do hold range bound, then ironically, that's actually super bullish and I think sets us up. And what we mean by range bound is 4,300 to 4,600 on the S&P. That sets us up for a potential power rally in the fourth quarter if we can survive this uh, September, early October season where there's no earnings and, and, and mostly just random news that tends to be negative. And Jay, before we let you go, just a few moments left. Your favorite part of the market? Right now, we would favor um, preferred stocks. A lot of them are converting to floating and also defensive dividend stocks like the ones we already talked about, healthcare, uh, with big dividends, though. We think they will outperform if the market is choppy like we're expecting it to be. All right. Jay Hatfield at InfraCap, thank you very much for the insight, sir. We'll see you soon. Great. Thanks, Tom. All right. That does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box is coming up next with markets right now showing some marginal moves at the opening bell. The Dow is implied lower by 22 points. The S&P just down by eight. The Nasdaq off by 50. Squawk Box is coming up next. Have a nice week. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.